0: Hello everybody, I am Rachel Levy-Lesser. And I am
1: Stephanie Goldstein and this is Life's Accessories, a podcast about accessories, clothing, fashion, and the stories behind them.
0: We are two friends who love to accessorize and who remember what we wore on pretty much every meaningful occasion to us and that is what we are here to talk about. You can follow us on Instagram at Life's Accessories Podcast and also on Facebook and TikTok. And if you're like what you're listening to, we'd love for you to share the podcast with a friend or two or 10 or a hundred and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode.
1: And today we are talking to entrepreneur, restaurant owner, foodie, cookbook author, mom, and friend, Nadia Lou Spellman. And Nadia is... um, very well known locally where I live and where she lives. And ha- she and her husband have created two incredible places, restaurants for us in our town. And especially one, Heirloom, where uh, many of us in town are found having meetings with our volunteer organizations and um, what incredible contributions you've made to our community. And um, Rachel is going to share more about your background so our listeners
0: can learn more about you. Yes, I definitely am going to read the official bio and then we'll finally let you talk, Nadia. Yeah, but exactly. But Stephanie, you know, we text and talk all the time and she's always telling me she's having a meeting at your restaurant and it's like the hot spot to be. So I I can't wait to talk to you more. So uh, here, here goes with the bio. Um, Nadia grew up in a family where food and fine cuisine were an important part of life. Through the inspiration of her parents and being raised in the restaurant industry, she launched Dumpling Daughter in Weston in 2014. That's Weston, Massachusetts, by the way. Yes. Today, she showcases her childhood favorites and family's home recipes to give others an opportunity to try authentic Chinese home-style fare in four locations in the Boston area. Dumpling Daughter, Frozen Foods, and Signature Spicy Soy are now in over 400 markets and available nationwide on Amazon Prime. Nadia is so excited about the launch of her book, Dumpling Daughter, Heirloom Recipes, which came out on November 8th. Um, It's a cookbook which she wrote. It's a fabulous cookbook and it contains some of the recipes of her mother, celebrity chef Sally Ling. So we're so excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show. So excited.
1: Welcome, Nadia.
2: Thank you for having me. This is so much fun.
1: We're excited to have you here. So, all right, we're going to get into it. Um, We first want to hear about the item from your closet or your accessory that you'd like to talk about and share with us today
2: so that is a very good question for women because (laughs) there could be so many things and I've thought about it for days and I feel like my number one accessory has changed throughout my life because Mm -hmm. as you grow your love of things grows changes with your life and you know what is convenient, what is not, right? And what you want to show and what you don't want to show. Um, And the one thing that I think that has followed me through my life starting in college is an Hermes scarf because they will forever be sold and always changing. Um, New designs coming out every year, but the ones that you have resonate with, the memory that when you bought it or when you received it. And so, you know, every time you wear one, you think about who bought that for you or when you bought it for yourself or what trip you were on. And so it brings back memories when you wear them. And you can also create new memories when you go travel or if you're celebrating an occasion and you want to treat yourself because it's such a luxury item. Yeah. So you, you know... In, th- in long story short, in thinking about accessories, I thought, well, sometimes you know, right before COVID, my accessory was red lipstick, and then Matt mask- <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, we gotta change. Uh, now. <laughs> and so I realized that accessories are constantly changing as we, yeah. as individuals, and women yes. always like new things and changes. And um, but I realized that the scarf is something that stays with me, but is also always changing and always new options mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And so I love it because uh, I went to Babson which is a very mm-hmm. international school and I noticed that some of my classmates were wearing scarves and belts with giant h's and I was like what is this h thing <laughs> like who would wear a belt with a giant h Who's h oh so, yeah i like, that?" <laughs> So I asked them and they said, oh, it's Hermes. And these, you know, European students come from super stylish, wealthy yeah. homes. And I mean, we're talking about 20 years ago, right? Yeah. When yeah. brands were not as coveted. Yeah. Yes. And now every kid wants an H or a Gucci or a Prada something. Right. So I feel like 20 years ago. It was something that was passed down to you or that your parents bought you and you were like, what is this? Yes. Mm-hmm. But now they're going for it and they're looking for it. So 20 years ago, I'm like looking up, what is this H thing? And my <laughs> European friends all had something. And so my first present to myself, senior year of college, mm-hmm. was a mess scarf from Neiman Marcus in Boston.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. That is so great. I just have to say, Stephanie and I are smiling and nodding, and I feel like we're (laughs) winking at each other. Um, Our listeners are probably like, are you guys sponsored by Hermes? Because (laughs) our very first episode, which came out earlier in the fall, which was sort of the get to know us episode, we talked about a scarf that was important to us. I talked about a Burberry scarf that my mother bought me before she passed away. And Stephanie talked about an Hermes scarf that her father had bought for her mother, in the 1980s. And I mean, we could talk about Hermes all day and I love how you talk about how you bought it for yourself in college, Mm -hmm. how you first saw the H's in college. I mean, first of all, when I was in college, nobody was wearing H's or scarves. We were like in jeans and body suits and flannel shirts. But like you said, you went to, it sounds like a very, I'll say with it, you know. just, a, you know, international, international people. Came yeah. From here. yeah. So um, that's really interesting to me, but I love what you said about who is H because in my family, my aunt, who's a very stylish woman, her last name starts with an H. So she always thought she could wear the H with pride because it was her last it name. It was her last name. I love that. I love that. <laughs> Which is so funny to me, but that, that is just awesome. Um, you know,
2: I saved my money because I yeah. saw it in sophomore year and I actually, this one, purple one. Oh, it's a, it's like a collaboration of a. Oh, it's gorgeous. A Japanese graffiti artist. Mm. Oh and my god! Like wow. It. And um, it says Hermes Paris and graffiti. But oh, I look at that! It's sophomore year, and I'm like, oh my gosh! It's like two hundred something dollars. <laughs> yeah. And I saved and I saved in senior year. I said, if it's still there, I'm buying it. And this sat in the case at Neiman Marcus for two years. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. That is, oh, wow. It's gorgeous. So I want to know, do you wear it often now? I don't wear this one because okay. I treasure it so much. Really? Okay. I fold it and I put it in my drawer. Every time I open my drawer, I can see it. Oh. Um, and then, you know, like um, my, uh, my husband then realized well, my husband now, but he was my boyfriend at the time. Shortly after I got the purple one, I was like wearing it all the time. And he's, he said, oh, it's so pretty. You know, I don't really see girls our age wearing scarves <laughs> like that. Like it kind of like, reminds me of a stewardess on a plane. Yes. <laughs> yes. oh, yeah. Okay, okay, old lady. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's this thing called Hermes, you know, maybe you should go check it out. And so when I graduated senior year, he bought me this one. So I got like two uh... Oh, beautiful. Oh,
0: that's, <laughs> that's we're going to, ha- we'll, we'll post pictures of these. Yes. They're, I mean, and each me- scarf is like a work of art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He
2: bought me a blue one. Cause that's his favorite color. So he like went to the store on Newberry and he, no, it was on, no, it's on Boylston near the four seasons. Yes. Hotel, right? yes, yes. And then he like, looked for it. He found it. And, um, You know, he had his story on which one he liked. Yeah. And, you know, every kind of moment is marked by a scarf. So I've been very lucky and very, very um, rich in Hermes scarves my whole life since (laughs) senior year of college.
1: I love it. I love it. I, I am, I'm a big fan and um, they do definitely dress up an outfit and make it special, you know,
0: for sure. And they come
2: with like a book. And they come yes. with like cards that show you yes. all the ways How you to wear it. Yes. yes. Okay. And, so speaking um, of, do you have a favorite way of wearing them? Uh, yeah. I have a lot of like hardware that I wear it with. So yeah. oh, you know, I have that. I have. We that. have the hardware. The scarf, the
1: scarf rings. Yeah.
2: Yep. Um. And so I, uh, when I started my investment banking job in New York, I was like, yeah. you know what? The one thing I'm going to wear every day is a scarf. Yeah. So, um. I would tie it around my neck or make it a belt mm-hmm. or put it on my bag. And, you know, it kind of actually set me apart from the mm-hmm. other analysts. Mm-hmm. You know, because number one, I was a girl amongst all the guys. And then I was wearing, you know, like a different scarf every day or a different way. And people yeah. noticed that. So
0: it sort of like became your brand, I guess.
2: Yeah. yeah it's, kind um, of my thing.
0: <laughs> it's interesting that you brought up, so you started investment banking. I'm sort of curious to know, and I'm sure our listeners are, how you went from, a scarf-wearing investment banker to a scarf-wearing restaurateur. Can you tell us a little bit about that path for you?
2: Yeah, well, I grew up in the restaurant business, and so it was my natural kind of love, I think. Um, Very different from a lot of other kids that grew up in specifically Chinese restaurants. I think in the 80s and 90s, Chinese restaurants were stereotyped as like greasy takeout joints, not a glamorous thing, not something you want to tell your friends that your parents own a Chinese takeout place. I was different because my parents had the fanciest high-end Chinese restaurant Boston had ever Mm -hmm. seen. And oh my gosh, I loved going in there because I would wear fancy party dresses and all the waiters were in black tie. And it was just a glamorous, beautiful time in my life. And I was so proud that my parents had restaurants and I loved being there. And so for me, it's a true love that I grew up in that industry. And when I graduated Babson, my father and my mother said that I should go for like a real job, not a restaurant or think that I should get into restaurants. He said, that was our passion. You need to explore yours you can't just say it's restaurants. You have to yeah. start with a foundational job. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Foundational job, coming from the <laughs> real goal. job, right? Yeah, real job. The big girl get, job, like, right? Big girl job. Big, big yes. Yes. And like do the whole thing. <laughs> yes. Um, that was, that was finance because out of Babson, that was the natural yeah. choice. So I went into that to make my parents happy. I was always trying to like, um, per, you know, impress them or make mm-hmm. them proud of me. I think that's the very Chinese cultured side of me. Mm-hmm. And I did it for five years. And the best part about doing it was that I spent all of my money going out to eat and trying different food in New York City. And were that's you awesome. happy in your job? Did you like what you were doing? Oh, no, I hated my job. <laughs> I hated <laughs> I was so bad at it. And I I was like reading the New York Times food section every day. Yeah. And reading books that um famous chefs wrote, like about their experiences opening restaurants or, you know, just reading about food, all facets of yeah. food, and like going to find the best donut in New York or going to find the best hidden burger joint or eating the best three Michelin star restaurant. I was all about every single level of dining and uh, cooking as well. I started cooking, um, you know, talking about Babson. My, one of my good friends from Babson was from the South of France and his mother was living in New York at the time. And she was an excellent French cook. And she Mm -hmm. taught me how to cook when I was in New York. We would have this thing called cooking class where she would teach me how to cook. So like my twenties were just all about absorbing and learning about food and, right. um, and she actually gave me in her mess scarf too, which oh my I love <laughs> so much. <laughs> love her. I Wait, love it. Oh, Nadia, beauty.
0: for your, so, I know Stephanie knows cause she's from Boston, but for our listeners, I'm just curious. What was the name of your parents restaurant in the eighties and nineties in Boston? It was
2: called Sally Links. It was named okay. after my mom. Got it. Okay. Sally and awesome. What was, what was the
1: moment? because you were surrounded by and you were learning so much about restaurants and cooking and so what was the aha moment that you said to yourself all right i need to make a change and do something different
2: well after 5 years i told my parents i did my my uh my time here and <laughs> I look at my bosses and uh i don't think my dream is to be a managing director although they're very successful right. i don't think it's for me nor do i think I could, uh, I could make it that far. So I always felt like if you don't want your boss's job, then you probably should get out of it. Mm, and
0: good advice. Mm-hmm.
2: And I thought, I want to be like my parents. Like, so I asked my mom if I could work for her. Yeah. So I you know, found a boss that I looked up to. And I started helping my mom manage her restaurant and shadowing her in catering events. At that time, my parents had divorced and my mom had a very successful restaurant in Northern New Jersey, okay. very close to New York city. And so I had the best of both worlds and I was living in New York and watching my mom run her business. And so I decided to quit my finance job, move back home. I had $97 in my bank account because I had been <laughs> paycheck to paycheck and I was done. All those but- are med scarves, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> I moved back home and I shadowed my mom and I worked for her. And I learned about all the things that I love and don't love about the restaurant business from the inside. Because, because, you know, growing up in restaurants, I, I was in the kitchen in sixth grade, I was packing takeout, I was Mm -hmm. hosting in eighth grade. Um, You know, my dad took me out and bought me like, uh, a skirt suit when I was in freshman high school, I to <laughs> That's awesome. To make me look professional. And I would, I would host it and <laughs> see people not because I like, they needed me because I liked it. And right. so, um, you know, I had always been in the restaurants, but never as a full on adult learning the business and mm-hmm. making those observations and taking those notes. You know, I took a lot of notes at that time about mm-hmm. what I hate, what I don't like the pros and the cons of this business. Um, And that actually helped me create the business plan for Dumpling Daughter. So tell us a
1: bit about that. So about Dumpling Daughter, because it's just, it's been, as someone who has not quite a front row seat, but remembers, I was living in in Weston, still do, when Dumpling Daughter first opened. And I've seen you know, the success of that and you opening others and then heirloom next door. I mean, you've just to to watch this unfold. And now the cookbook is just so incredible. And, and the other thing I'm going to say about it too, as someone who's on the outside looking in there is so it is so clear to me, there is so much love and care in everything, in every aspect of what you're doing. So I want to hear more. We want, we want to hear more hmm. about the business plan and what inspired you and how that unfolded. And also,
0: may I just say, I love the name Dumpling Daughter. Yeah, I love it. Yes, <laughs> it's, the best. it's so cute.
2: Um, that that was that was another hard part was naming it. But, um, you know, it's great to hear you say that, Stephanie, as a resident and as a resident of Weston and someone that's seen it from the outside, because, you know, when you're doing it from the inside, you just do what comes naturally. And it's amazing to hear all kinds of feedback. And when you say that it's amazing, I think, really, you know, I really right, don't right. believe it myself because it's just something that I love that right. I, it's, I'm so passionate about it. Like I want to cry about it all the time because it's just something that like, I've grown up in this town and I've, you know, watched this town change since I was little, uh, and, to be able to add to it and to bring value to the town really touches my heart so i appreciate you saying that i don't actually look at it from the outside ever i'm always looking yeah. at what yeah. i can fix
1: <laughs> yeah well and 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 what you're doing on the inside is is projecting on the outside that's for sure
2: thank you um so dumpling daughter it really started because you know, I moved back here, I was engaged to my high school boyfriend from Weston High, and he has a family business here. And so he felt like we shouldn't be in New York, New Jersey, we should be here. And I said, sure, I, you know, was gonna kind of start writing my own story and move back here and figure out what I'm going to do. Because I hated finance, I worked for my mom, there's no parent restaurant to take over in Boston anymore. They had sold them when they divorced. So you know, it's like uh clean slate. What do I do? And, you know, we were talking about offline about just how important it was for me to carry on my parents' legacy. And so how, and I thought about that for a long time. And I thought maybe I should sell frozen dumplings, you know, and, and have it, have the Sally Lane name in it somehow. Yeah. And, Maybe I should create a sauce line. I mean, so many ideas came and I had the luxury of kind of taking my time. And then I stumbled upon Stacy of Stacy's Pita Chips. Uh, mm-hmm. She's a very smart entrepreneur. And she told me that her chips came about because people were waiting in line for her sandwiches. And in order to keep people engaged and want to wait in line, they gave out free <laughs> old stale fried pita chips. And she said, no one is going to buy your frozen dumplings at a supermarket. If you don't have a brand name, you need to have a following to create that for yourself. And I said, well, my parents told me to never open a restaurant. And she was like, well, that's the only way you're going to be able to have people try these dumplings. So you should open a restaurant and let people eat the dumplings and then create a name and then go to the local supermarkets. But
1: did that, that take so the wind out of your sails, though, when she told you that? Because that's yes. not the order that you were hoping to hear.
2: Yes. I right? wanted like, a cushiony, <laughs> you <know>? cushiony lifestyle <laughs> yeah. where I sit at home yeah. and talk to buyers. Order my right. dumplings. Right. Yeah. You know, um, it's
0: so funny you mentioned her because I remember, speaking of pot, you're on a podcast now, um, listening to the How I Built This Podcast about entrepreneurs and I remember hearing that story about Stacy's pita chip. So that's so, I mean, interesting, but also great that you were able to get that insight because that's not something I think that maybe you, I mean, I wouldn't have thought of that. I don't know if you would have thought about that before.
2: Yeah. I mean, she is a local success story and became, you know, national and it made me feel like, okay, well, if she says it, like, it's so easy. She's like, you should just open a restaurant. She just said it. <laughs> oh, that's half. all just, just like that. Yeah. That's yeah. all. I was like, maybe she's right. So then I said to my mom, my mom said, Oh, you know, you really, uh, not a good idea. We, you know, I did it out of necessity, you know, and then your father and I met. We did it because he loved fine dining and it's a very hard business. And then, you know, my father had passed away a year before I had gotten married and he had given me many lessons in life, which are in the cookbook. Mm -hmm. And, um, And one of them is a a woman needs to be number one, self-sufficient number two, like don't depend on anybody. Number two is if you do something, try to do it in the smartest way you can. And he said, if you ever open a restaurant, try to do it the smart way, not the way your, your your mother and I did it. And what he meant was, you know, high-end dining is just a lot of work and very costly Mm -hmm. in every Mm -hmm. level. And he's like, I don't recommend you do this, you know, at, try to do a a smart concept.
0: Well, and also I, that's amazing advice from your father. And I also think you're, you're of a new generation right now and, you know, fine dining isn't, I mean, I remember as a kid going to fancy restaurants and getting all dressed up, but my kids wear sweatpants to like the fanciest restaurant we go to, you know, it's just kind of a different things have changed. Yeah. It's so interesting. Can you talk a little bit then how the business evolved from, one restaurant to multiples and also how you kind of pivoted your business and got on apps. And I know this is a lot, but how you were affected also by the pandemic and you were able to shift gears then as well. Cause I'm sure it's been a lot. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, I couldn't have written this journey if I tried. It's really as every door opens, another door opens. And the more times you say yes, the more you discover, you've created more work for yourself. And that's really been the path. And the reason why we opened in Weston is because my late father, he had always dreamed of having a restaurant in Weston. And he oh. back in 1986 said that he talked to the landlord and tried to open a restaurant at 31 center street, which is heirloom today. Oh. The oh. landlord said, Oh, I had already signed it to Bruger's bagel. And my father said, Oh, well, it's not meant to be for me. And then, um, You know, so when I looked for the perfect location, I looked at all the hot areas, Harvard, MIT, um, didn't find the right fit, and finally found my way right back to Weston. It became this space for Dumpling Daughter, 37 Center Street became available fortuitously. And I thought that was my dad's dream. So I'm going to try it, not knowing how it's going to work. And you know a quick service restaurant especially chinese in a town like Weston which is predominantly you know a white town was very intimidating for me to open mm-hmm. but i felt comforted because that was my dad's dream number 1 and if it failed i'd say at least i tried and then the second thing is is that i'm from Weston i grew up here and it just seemed comfortable for me and i felt mm-hmm. confident about it and so I think those are the things, you know, comfortable, confident, take that leap were all the like bullet points to success in, in Weston, because I knew my customer. And, and luckily there was a lot of luck too. I came in at a time where there were a lot of new young families coming in. And those are the families that recognize esteemed Chinese bun, dumplings, these noodle soups, these ramen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But five years ago, Weston probably would not have welcomed as much. And so timing was on my side as well. And um, after I opened it, I thought, okay, well, now I have my dumpling daughter. I can try to have a baby now. And so I had my first son a year after a dumpling daughter. And um, I always knew I wanted to start my business before having my child. And then I devoted eight months to my son exclusively. I mean, I really didn't work that much. I managed the restaurant with phone calls and stopping in, but I wasn't like the first year opening, closing Mm -hmm. the restaurant, living and breathing the restaurant, making sure everything was perfect, honing the, 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 the concept. And after the first year I was a hundred percent like mom, mom, mom. And Mm -hmm. My son was eight months and I finally was like, you know what? I'm gonna get a babysitter now. So I got a babysitter and I went back to the restaurant and my staff was like, Well, I want do you with your son? And I said, No, this is my restaurant. I want to work here. They said, No, we don't need you. Um, go go do something else, like go, go grow the business or be with your son. <laughs> and I was awesome. like, I created something that I'm not needed now. And I thought, and I thought, maybe this is what my dad meant you know, like yeah. something smart where people could follow the directions and that mm-hmm. it's every time and that you're not constantly like a helicopter owner, you know, and, and, and I thought, wow, maybe, maybe I could open another one. And so we opened the Cambridge one and, um, and that was, gangbusters busy right off the bat near mit that was my original dream was to open there so went back and opened there and shortly after that was the pandemic and i was supposed to open a third restaurant the month of the pandemic shutdown (laughs) so i had a third restaurant ready to open third week of march 2020 and that all came to a stop um And, you know, I kind of went back to Weston, which is my comfort zone. I sat down with the employees and I said, "Um, you guys are the ones working here. You know, I'm the one kind of floating to all these restaurants. I want to know your comfort level and I want you guys to take a anonymous vote on what you want to do. And so I was really listening to them and they all voted that they wanted to stay open and keep working because they wanted normal. They did not want to go home and stay Mm -hmm. home. They wanted Mm -hmm. to be normal as long as they could. And so when we decided this, it was under the condition that we would shut the door, do contactless ordering, not let any customers in. Everyone was gonna wear masks. This is like March 16th, which is pretty early. And it was probably two weeks before the state said, takeout only. So mm-hmm. we went takeout take out only way before, you know, two weeks before. And um, we just built our online ordering overnight. We did that. And um, you know what? The restaurant got busier.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and it was amazing um, because the reaction of our, our loyal customers was, this is the one thing that we did every week. Mm-hmm. Daughter takeout is like what my family loves. And I just want to come here and get it and feel like things are normal and yeah,
0: and also it. not cook at home, <laughs> yeah. right? Or no,
2: actually, like, right. like you know, we were gonna we tried to do delivery where my husband and I started delivering. <laughs> we realized people wanted to get out of the house, and oh. so nobody wanted delivery. Okay, um, we were trying everything we could to serve the community, and the community definitely came forward and supported us, you know, Mm -hmm. so much. And um, we got busier and then we took that model of contactless mask, you know, mask wearing. um, We took it to Brookline and we launched a restaurant in May, 2020 when everyone else was closing and we launched it with the Weston Method and it was very successful right off the bat. We were like on the news for opening. Amazing.
1: It's incredible, and and so so you have the Dumpling Daughter locations, and then you decided to open a whole other concept, Heirloom, which is in the space that you mentioned your father had wanted for a, a restaurant in Weston, and that didn't come to be for him, but it did for you, so what inspired you there?
2: Yes, during the pandemic, my landlord noticed that I never asked for any rent break, And he just said, this is amazing that you've created traffic during this unpredictable time. And he said, Brugger's can't stay open. Your neighbor, the one that he signed back in the 80s. Brugger's
1: bagels. Yeah. Yeah. And. um, But, But that's the thing. Like that was, that was the tenant who was there. And was the reason your father could not have a restaurant. In I West totally and, have chills. You have incredible.
0: chills, Stephanie. I'm all over the place. Yeah, yes. yeah. This is amazing.
2: Yeah. And um, you know, I he said Nadia, I I really think that um, maybe you could take it over, but I really want you to serve breakfast and coffee. And I thought, well, you know, I'm sitting at home running this new consumer business during the pandemic, 2021. Yeah. Why don't I? Do why not? Why I'm not? Like, I'll just, I just say yes and if I can not I'll say no. So I go home to my husband yeah. and I say I know you think I'm a crazy person. Right? Sit down for a second. I said, "You know how my dad like really wanted 31 center street and he said yeah." And I said, "So the landlord just offered it to me and I can't say no, but I don't have the time. And how, how am I going to do this? How And my husband said, you know what? He said, "Um, when I was little, I used to ride the bike to the diner that was there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he said, and it was a husband and wife. And it was before Brugger's. And he said, and I I remember sitting there and eating ice cream there. And he said, why don't I help you? Uh, Wow. And I will take on half the work. And I said, like what half, like how, how are we, my parents always said, don't work together because they ended up getting divorced and hard half. Yeah. And he said, look, let's just agree that we're going to handle different parts of it. And let's just not step into each other's parts. And I said, this is everything my parents told me not to do, including open a restaurant with (laughs) (laughs) but you know what? I didn't listen to my mom and I turned out okay so far. So okay, let's do it. So, um, we did it because my dad would have wanted it. And so we named it heirloom because mm-hmm. it was the idea that my father passed down to us to have a restaurant in Weston in the first place. Mm. Yeah. That's amazing. And, and then, Steph, you know, when you walk in he's oh, on the wall,
0: I need to come there because family, Stephanie's family told me pictures so much about
1: everywhere. It. And it's just, it just feels like, it's a busy place. And then you look on the walls and there are pictures of, of your family. And there's just, there's just so much honor of family and tradition. And, um, it's just, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful, you know, and, and we're all making memories there as well, Uh you know? And so then, and then you decided to, um, give birth to a third child, your cookbook, which I picked up over the weekend. And, and made
0: amazing dinners last night. Five, that Stephanie was texting me pictures things. all day. Yep. Yep. Five
1: different things. All were absolutely delicious. Um, you have, th- we want to hear your stories, your story about the cookbook, but I will, I want to give my take on the cookbook, which is, you have written about your life story within the cookbook within each section you've you've shared different stories of your upbringing what brought you to new york working with your mom the incredible lessons of your father marrying your high school sweetheart having children putting this all together as, as an heirloom, right. To And and the responsibility that you talk about, I'm going to start crying, but mm-hmm. I've got to tell you, I love reading cookbook cookbooks. Mm-hmm. I, I was crying, reading this cookbook, crying, 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 because it was just, it was just beautiful to hear about everything that brought you to where you are at this point. And you do say in the book that, you know the important part with with Chinese cooking is is the preparation and getting everything together because once you start cooking, boom, it all happens really, really fast. And that, that. listeners, that is true. Everything happens really fast. Stephanie <laughs> was texting me I was pictures.
0: Like, I was like, "You made this already? You made this already?" No, yeah, it was no, like, I was like
1: <laughs> chop, 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 throw it in, boom, it's done. I mean, it was it was really incredible and and delicious. So you've you've made you've passed on all of these. Um, recipes from your mom, from you, from Dumpling Daughter, Sally Lings, to, to all of us. And that's really special, but probably most
2: importantly to your boys. Yeah. that I mean, it. the editors were brainstorming about a great subtitle to mm-hmm. the title. And uh, I kept wanting to name it something like you know, mother daughter in the kitchen, you know, all these like corny names. And they were like, no, it's Dumpling Daughter, because that's what you've created that's led yeah. you to this book. I said, okay, fine. Um, And then they said, but the second word that comes to mind is heirloom, because this is what you're doing for your kids. And this is yeah. the whole reason why you're doing this is because you want to pass these recipes down to your kids, because these are the the recipes you ate growing up, right? And I was like, "That's so weird." That's the name of my other restaurant. Like, oh my it's gosh, crazy! Like, so that, that wasn't okay?
1: that wasn't even intentional from the restaurant. It was just kind of came up in conversation. That's wow. The yeah. heirloom.
2: They didn't even know I was doing a concept called heirloom. They just said you should name it heirloom recipes. And then I said that's confusing because I also right. <laughs> heirloom. But uh, but you know, it's a meaningful word, I guess, in my life because everything that I am, I attribute, you know, very much to my parents and my upbringing.
0: Well, if we can bring it back to the beginning and we've taken up so much of your time, but heirloom does start with the letter H.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Actually, yeah. I wore an H there belt on the first day. So
0: there you go. You <laughs> could wear the bracelets, the belts, whatever you want. Exactly. Um, for, it was very for, exciting for me. For our listeners, um, where can they follow you and um, your, your business and also where can they order your book um, and all that good stuff? Can you, can you let us know?
2: Yes, it is on Amazon prime. If you want to get it, you know, quickly, we also have it on our own website. The great thing about that is that you can throw it in with plush toy merchandise uh, <laughs> that we have, um, but it's not available in those two ways on e-commerce. We also have them in all of our restaurants. And, you know, I would love to, a lot of people are asking me to sign or write a message in that. I love that because I love the personal aspect of it. And a lot of local gourmet markets want to sell the cookbook in the stores. So that's, that's a great, great angle too, because if you're in the, the supermarket, you see the book and then you can open it and just buy the ingredients. Like Stephanie said, mm-hmm. they're very approachable and a lot mm-hmm. of simple ingredients and you don't need to go to Chinatown to get these ingredients. They're all available in finer markets or big markets. Um, And that's the beauty of this Chinese cookbook is that you're able to get these Asian flavors um, exactly the way my mom cooked at home when I was little, right in your local market. Uh, So, you know, this, this book is, is very special because no matter where you are in the world, you can kind of taste a a taste of dumpling daughter.
0: Mm, That's
1: amazing. Wonderful. What does your mom say about your success now?
2: Uh, I think, you know, being the um, Chinese tiger mom, that she <laughs> is, <laughs> a great example is, you know, one of my dream markets to ever be in is in Citerella, New York, because during my days, oh, yes. mm-hmm. I would save my money to shop at the supermarket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my mom told me when I first launched consumer, she said, you really need to get into Citerella because all my friends shop there. And you know, when we're in the Hamptons, their their kids want Dumpling Daughter. They can't get it. You should get it into Cinderella. I said, okay, mom. Okay, so I get it into Cinderella, and I call my mom. I'm like, mom, guess what? It's yeah. Cinderella. Yeah. She goes, great. Where? I said, in the frozen section. She goes, well, what about the prepared foods section? <laughs> <laughs> He's pushing like, you. <laughs> I was like, um, just frozen to start with. You rarely get two aisles at one time, and she right. goes. Well, now you just need to get the prepared. Feet. That's it.
0: I like how your mom t- uh, is telling you that your target market is her friends and their kids.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's who you need. Yes. You, need, I love you that. need it available. To I, them. Love oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. It's all about like, oh, now it needs to be in Florida because all my friends are here. Right? Oh,
0: <laughs> right. We know something about that with our family. We do.
2: How Me do you too. find
0: your podcast? What's a podcast button? How can I tell my friends to listen? <laughs>
2: So, yeah, you know, that's what my mom thinks. My mom is a driver. She is very, very aggressive and worked so hard in her life. And I think uh, she tells her friends that she's very proud, but uh, mm-hmm. to me, she's like, go get more.
1: Yeah. Well, well, and that, and that you certainly have done. And um, I will say we have barely scratched the surface on, on your story. And like I said, you can, you can read more about Nadia in the cookbook and, and just enjoy all the recipes. I have, I have post-it notes all over the place. So um, thank you for sharing with us. This has been an absolute delight.
2: Oh, it's my honor. It's so fun to talk about the past and uh, hopefully influence others, young people specifically. And the more that I get to talk about it and the more that um, I'm heard, I, I hope that some young people will feel inspired too.
1: So one last question that I have, when you mentioned at the beginning, when you open your drawer, you see that scarf that you, that you bought in college when you were a senior, do you ever stop and just stare at it and sort of reflect on how far you've come?
2: Not really. I just, remember because <laughs> that's what we do. We mark ourselves. By our accessories.
0: <laughs> Maybe you no. will now.
2: I I think I will now that's very meaningful. I look at it and think about um, how, how long ago, actually, I think Mm -hmm. about how long ago it was that I bought it, where I was when I bought it, you know, in my life, you know, just so much younger in mind and experience. And I think, I think, wow, it feels like yesterday. And so, you know, go out and make your days efficient because life is short and these years go by very, very fast. And so when I look at these things, I think about how time flies and to like grab today and make it all worth it. Right.
0: Well, that is so well said. And I I also think just to tie it back to the accessory, you said in the beginning how this was something, the Hermes scarf was something you were determined to get and you saved up and you're definitely very determined. You're a hard worker, talented, all that good stuff rolled into one. And I mean, you're so impressive, but you're also just such a delight, and we have really love talking to you. Um, oh, thanks! Yeah,
1: really thank you. And nice. and we can't we can't wait to see what you do next because we yeah. know there's a next.
0: We'll be watching, and I'm going to come up to heirloom soon and and visit you, and I'll wear my Hermes scarf, <laughs> and we can sit. <laughs> and, I would and love that. That would be fun, and I'm excited to get your book. Mine's coming soon. I'm going to start cooking as well, so we'll we'll post all those pictures. Thank you for joining us to our listeners and a special thanks again to Nadia. And we'll see you next time on the Life's Accessories podcast. Bye-bye, everybody.
2: Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.